0: This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.
1: And we continue our series uh, distinctives by looking at eight distinctive character traits of us, both individually as followers of Jesus and collectively as a body of Christ. And this morning we look at the distinctive of service in our text, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12 we see the act of service around us every day. Right? The act of service is tied into our vocations, it's tied into organizations, it's tied into religions. And for some of us, by default, by default because of what we do or the role we have at home or our involvement in a service organization, will answer yes to this question is this, is do you Serve? Well, of course I serve. I work for a non for profit. I'm I'm a parent. Of course I serve. I'm on a missional team. I'm a pastor. Of course I serve, right? All I do is serve, serve, serve no matter what. Got service on my mind. Can never get enough. It's a good question, but it's not a distinct question. To followers of Jesus? Because I can take this question to most places and get the same answer to followers of Jesus and non-followers of Jesus. And so the question that I want to reflect on this morning based on our text, the question derived from our text is not a question of if, but how. Do you serve as a servant of Christ? Do you serve as a servant of Christ? But sit with this for a bit. Strip away your required acts of service due to your role or position in life right now. Take the things that you have to do, take it away, ask yourself, do you serve as a servant of Christ? Service only makes us distinct when we serve like Jesus, the true servant. For the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. This is the way of Jesus. And so we'll look at what Jesus says about the expression of service, and then I'll share a little bit about our unique expression here at Redemption. But first, Jesus here starts off with exposing hypocrisy. Jesus here is talking to the crowds and his disciples about the scribes and the Pharisees, which were present in the crowd. And so understand where this text fits in the larger picture of scripture, we zoom out and we zoom back to God's call to his people, right? God made a covenant to the nation of Israel out of his love and out of his faithfulness to him to be their God and call them to be set apart, right? God's intention was to use his people to reveal himself. Isaiah 43.10 says this, you are my servant. I was talking to Israel. You are my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. God chose Israel to be his servants for his glory. And what Jesus is doing here is exposing these Jewish religious leaders whose purpose was to model servantship, so others may also know and believe and understand the Lord. Instead, Jesus says this, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. He's basically saying, don't be like them. They teach with the authority derived from Moses. Moses himself gave Israel the law, and they needed the teachers to expound and apply it. And thus they sat on Moses' chair figuratively. But their character was inconsistent to their teaching, and their concern was reputation and status. They imposed rules on others expecting they'd follow it, but they didn't follow it themselves. They added on to the load. They were unwilling to help. They kept their distance from those who were hurting and those who were in need. They kept their distance from the unclean, from the unworthy, from the sinners. But that's where God had called them to be as servants. Service makes us distinct when we serve like Jesus. And Jesus goes towards the ones who are hurting. Jesus goes towards the ones who are burdened and troubled. He wants to serve them. He desires to carry their load. These leaders wanted nothing to do with anyone in need for the sake of their own devotion to God and for their own reputation. Ultimately, what I think Jesus is saying about the Pharisees and scribes is that they don't care for people. And they're unfit to be leaders of God's people because God definitely cares for people. If we remove loving people from the act of service, may we get into legalism and religion real quick. Service makes us distinct when we love like Jesus. So let me ask, do we genuinely care for those we serve? Or do we love them? Because if we don't, man, we've missed the heart of service. The heart of Jesus.
0: If our motive is
1: not for the benefit of others, that means the motive is for the benefit of us. The text says they did all their deeds to be seen by others. They wear phylacteries, phylacteries, which were small square leather boxes on their heads, containing portions of scripture. I forgot mine at home today, or else I would have been wearing it. And this was based on the command in Deuteronomy, where God told them to tie his commands as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and mind. And so the Jewish rabbis applied these verses literally. The same things with fringes. They were tassels on the, on the Jewish clothes. And the, and the real issue here wasn't the things, right? Jesus wore this garment. The, the woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years touched the fringe of Jesus, the text says. The issue was the two words that came after those words broad and long. They did it to show off, to elevate themselves, not elevate God. Their motive was to show off their self-proclaimed superiority and righteousness. Right? It's like in the corporate world, right? dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. Right? That's why I showed up as a basketball player every day at the hospital. Nothing happened. Nobody got it. These religious leaders, man, they dressed up for spiritual perception, for the perception that they wanted others to believe to show off their righteousness, their prestige, their holier than thouness And Jesus exposes their hypocrisy in these religious leaders. Don't be like them. They don't care for people. They only care about themselves. And then he, then he turns to the disciples and says, but you. Jesus tells his disciples to, to avoid lofty titles and positions for the sake of elevation. Man, when we get fixated on recognition and titles and status, man, we are susceptible to hypocrisy. It can get into our heads. It can puff us up. And this is especially true for leaders in the church. And yes, I'm literally preaching to myself right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of us knew more unfaithful pastors than faithful pastors who finished well. And this scares me as much as it disheartens me as a pastor. Adding pastor to a name doesn't automatically elevate that person over others. The title pastor means shepherd, it's not meant to be a lofty title. It's also our job as a church now to put leaders up on a spiritual pedestal in the church. But there isn't a different tier for church leaders. There is more strict uh, judgment for teachers, which is so comforting for me to hear right now. There's one family, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ on one tier. Regardless of titles, age, gender, there is one father in heaven, there is one teacher, and his name is Jesus, and this is his church, and this is his words. Amen? Amen. Jesus is saying, avoid self-exaltation through titles, status, and instead, he says, humble yourselves, and I will exalt you. After exposing the hypocrisy of these leaders, he now says, I will exalt those who are humble, I will exalt humility. The distinctive of service is an outward act where it may be seen by others, but to serve as a servant of Christ requires inward humility for no one to see. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And the exalting part, and that's God's business. Let him worry about that. That's his work. Let him take care of that. Four centuries earlier, before Jesus proclaimed these words, Plato, the Greek philosopher, asked, how can a man be happy who is a servant of anything? And now Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Now when you serve as a servant of Christ, you will never regret it. And God will never waste it. I take every opportunity to serve as a servant of Christ. He is worth it. My two-year-old son, uh, Caden, had a fever a couple of days ago, a high of 103.6. I stayed home that day, and uh, what he asked me throughout the day was, Dada, hold me. Hold me. That's all I held him. Every time that he asked, as much and as long as I could. I still do that in general, but when he was sick especially, I do that. Because I know as he gets older and more independent, the day is coming where he doesn't need to be helped. that saying you never know when's the last time you pick up your child. I know I'll look back and not regret every opportunity I had to hold. Imagine if our response to serve as a servant of Christ looked like this, yearning to serve others, knowing that the day is coming where we'll look back at all the opportunities that we had to serve for the servant as a servant of Jesus for, to make his name great. I know we'll look back and not regret every opportunity we took to serve our king. The greatest among you will be your servant. But what does it mean to be a servant? But What does a servant actually do? So here are five expressions of a servant. Five expressions of a servant. I'll be going down the list pretty quickly. Number one, a servant seeks the glory of the Lord above the glory of others. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Serving people to get their approval prevents you from being a servant of the Lord. Fear the Lord, not man. This may mean that we look weak, we look like a fool, but God chose what is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. A servant seeks the glory of the Lord above the glory of others. Number two, a servant remains a servant regardless of setting. John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Man, as a follower of Jesus, we're not called to be servants just at church, right? We know this. We're called to be a servant in our vocation, in our marriage, in our family, in our small groups, in our friends, at work. Servantship is a, it's a heart matter, not a circumstantial matter. It doesn't change where you're, when your setting changes. If we've missed this, now we fall in line just like the Pharisees. Number three, a servant loves people without expectations. Luke 6:32 says, "If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. A servant isn't transactional, meaning, "You do this for me, I do this for you." That's called business. Service means loving people without expectations, helping them in their world, uncomfortably stepping into their comfort. And that can be difficult. Because loving people doesn't always mean agreeing with them. And so challenging them, rebuking them for the sake of loving them may be required. Number four, a servant yields for the sake of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This means yielding. Yielding our rights, yielding our conveniences for the progress and joy for others' faith in Jesus. Number five, a servant grows in humility through the repentance of sin. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. And humility without repentance, genuine repentance is just us trying harder in our strength versus the Holy Spirit transforming us. Or do we serve as a servant of Christ? And as you reflect on this question, I want us to make sure the why behind this. Right, my aim this morning wasn't to force you or trick you into serving here at the church. Full disclosure, I want you to serve here at the church. <laughs> when Jesus says the greatest among you will be your servant. He radically flipped the logic of what greatness consisted. Not what service a person receives, but what is given. He was revealing his servantship. But how did he do this? His life and death demonstrated his servantship. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's the why. Jesus' entire life was a life of being a servant so that the Father may be glorified which was rooted in his love. His servantship is what gives us hope. His servantship is what gives us comfort, gives us joy, gives us assurance. Why do we do it? As a response of what He has already done for us completely. Jesus says, "The greatest among you will be your servant." Revealing His greatness, He is the greatest. He is the most exalted, since He is the greatest servant. Not knowing why, I want to take a few moments of our unique expression of service here at redemption. This is the part where I trick you to serve on a team now. But I want you to be open to maybe what God may be calling you to serve. Not because I'm asking you to do it, because he has done it for us already. One of the ways is through our missional teams. It's right? focused on our Sunday service. It's probably focus on getting us ready for this. We've got a production team that serves us. Right? They run the sound and media during service. Right? They are the, uh, the referees of the missional team. Right? In a sporting event, the job of the referee is not to be noticed, but still do their job. Right? Nobody notices them, which means they're doing a great job. Except now, when I'm you know, giving them attention right now. so The worship team, using their talents to lead us in worship and, and guide our focus to Jesus. But what a privilege it is. We got the welcome team, and the mission of the welcome team is this we want every person that walks into our building to be noticed, acknowledged, and welcomed. Every person is so important. We notice each other. We acknowledge each other. We welcome each other. They get us ready for Sunday. They they get our communion ready. They put out donuts. They greet. They do security for us. and make sure that we're safe. We got Redemption Kids. The mission of Redemption Kids is this. We want every child to feel safe, acknowledged, and loved. Every child. I got a rule that... um, I serve downstairs with the kids once a month. And the rule that I made up because I want to serve downstairs with them. I want to do it more, but then Ash told me, nah, not too much. We're not just taking care of kids downstairs. It's just not daycare. We're teaching them about Jesus and loving on them. We want them to be here. We want them to be loved we want to know their names so that we can acknowledge them. We want them to feel safe. In this past year we split up bigs in elementary. And it was in great. I'm ready to split again. Our elementary. I want a room for the first, second, third graders, and then I want a room for the fourth and fifth graders, right? They're the cool kids. Fifth graders don't want to be with first graders. They're too cool. We've got to split them up. We got the room. The room's not ready at the Mass, but I'll get it ready. We've got Redemption Youth, a mission to train students in the way of Jesus such that they might remain faithful followers of Jesus forever. Tim, Becca, Tirza, is served so faithfully to accomplish this mission. We'll need more volunteers in the future as we grow. And so I invite you to pray about it. And let us know in the info card if, if maybe this is something that God is stirring in your heart that we can consider you when that time comes. We've got small group leaders that serve us. Where they allow genuine connection and spiritual growth to happen here as a church. Where they open up their lives, they open up their homes for us. We're meeting this month to go over a fall curriculum later this month. We've got the pantry the third Sunday of every month. We get to serve the, the most vulnerable in our community, the single parents and the children, where we provide diapers and baby clothes and anything else they need. The mission is to meet their needs. Everything else is a bonus. And there's missional ways. Missional ways that anyone can serve. Right? People who have been serving in unique ways that don't necessarily fall into a team, but definitely falls into this distinctive we have Aaron that comes and does inventory of our pantry once a month. There's a lot of stuff down there, so a lot of inventory. We've got Jeannie that comes in and uh, once a month packs our diapers so that we have enough ammo when pantry comes. We have Gautier that comes in every week to take the trash out downstairs, to wipe down tables, get our rooms ready for down there every week. Jason and Michelle get us ready to pray, lead us in prayer at 930 30. They're almost, every, they're almost here every Sunday getting ready. We got Roger asking everyone in Mount Prospect and Des Plaines about quotes for our new roof and, and setting up appointments so that uh, we can meet with them and doing all the lead work. We got Becca and Amritha and Rachel uh, working on a child protection policy. We're creating structure and safeguards for our church to make our church safe, especially for our children, proactively working for us. And so they're asking us the really hard questions for the sake of our kids. There's no, there's no overkill in safety and protection of our kids. And so they've been working really hard to do with that, to make sure this is a safe place for everybody. This is our expression of service. And I'm sure I've missed a few, so apologies about that. But also for me, This is what it means to be the church. Serving one another for the glory of Jesus. Serving not in a transactional way, but to give. So I want to invite you to serve on a missional team or a missional way based on your gifts and availability that we haven't thought of. And so at the end of the service, when George comes up and shares announcement, your next step is to share with us through the info card, how God might be leading you to serve. And today we're installing one more team. One of the two offices in New Testament in the local church. Deacons. Where the Greek word diakonos is almost always translated to servant, but in a narrow sense can also be translated to the word deacon. The role of of a deacon is to assist in the needs of the church and those in need outside of the church rooted in compassion and mercy. It's to steward our resources, to aid in the work of service through logistical and material support and to support the ministry of the elders by enabling elders to focus on shepherding while relieving practical needs of the church. And as elders, man, we've prayed about this and for this as we've had certain lanes or areas of focus that we needed servants for the sake of a healthy church and healthy leaders. Speaking of healthy leaders, man, there's been weeks where it was really difficult for me to get to your prayer request due to all these other things that were on my plate. Man, if I'm not able to pray for my church, As a pastor, man, I'm doing something wrong. We're doing something wrong. And that's where we see in Acts 6 where the disciples appointed people to be over certain responsibilities so the ministry of the word wasn't neglected. Not because those other things were less. It's because those things were important. And so I really believe this is a healthy step, a healthy direction for our church. This is a good thing. And so at this time, I want to invite Sarah, Amritha, Janice, and Jared to come up, along with Dan, one of our elders. Sarah, and Amritha have been uh, serving the church through hands and feet, where they started up the pantry almost two years ago. And they've been leading us so that we can practically show mercy and compassion to others. Janice, using her finance and business background, has been taking over functional responsibilities of the church that we need, like property coverage, like certain liabilities, working with our vendors of the church. Jared's been taking over responsibility of stewarding our building we've been given. Right? It's an old building. It's a big building. But it's God's building. And it's our home, and it can't be neglected and need practical care so we continue to make this place a, a place to belong, a place to grow, and a place to serve. And just changing the light bulb just takes, it takes a whole day with all the things that we have. But we've chosen these four people based on the qualifications they have met based on what we see in Scripture. The qualifications of being sensible and, and spirit-led. Good repute by God's people, self-controlled, humble, and not hypocritical in spirit, faithful, and relationally healthy. I want to clarify something, too. These are just our first four deacons. Right? I'm praying for more as we continue to shape our lanes and area and focus. And now that I have more time to pray, right, I'm coming. I'm coming for you guys. And so at this time I'm going to ask Dan to pray for these four as their commitment in serving in this manner to our church, to ourselves. But also praying for us collectively as a church that we would continue to serve as a servant of Christ, as a servant of Christ, knowing that Christ is the greatest servant. So Dan, pray. Father,
0: We humbly come before you, knowing that this church is your church. Lord, everything we do, we do for your glory. Yes, we want to do it with excellence. We want to have programs that excel. We want to have a church that is well taken care of, not for our glory, but for yours, Lord. And Father, it's the same with us as the people in this building, that it's not just a church for us to be safe in. Yes, that's part of it, Lord. But we want to be able to grow as a disciple in you, to be able to reach out to those as family members, friends, neighbors, people at work. Father, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the opportunity we have here and to steward it. And Lord, we want to continue to be those faithful servants. And Father, as we think of the, the deacons behind us, of Sarah, i Janice and Jared. I'm going back to what Robin had spoke earlier out of Matthew 20. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve. And to give this life as a ransom for many. Father, I pray for these faithful servants. I pray for those that them that they will continue to grow their passion for you, Lord. That you will be number one in their life. Lord, we know that they didn't petition or, or apply for this. Lord, you made their light shine as a desire to serve you and you alone. Father, so often, as Robin spoke earlier, we don't want to be that person that is a hypocrite, that's doing it just for the glory of their self or for a position but to serve you, Lord, because we know through that there is such a huge blessing that we do receive. And by not doing it that way, we lose that, Lord. Father, I pray that they will have a passion to continue to serve the people they are serving within this church and outside these walls. Lord, I'm so thankful for for their hearts to do this. Father, you know them intimately, and you know how hard it was for them to even walk up here and to be put in front of you. It's not what they... Strive to do. Their heart is to serve others. Father, I pray for us as a church. I pray for each one sitting in these pews and those that aren't here today and those that will be coming here. Lord, allow our hearts to be that of, of a servant, to put ourselves behind others, even in times when we don't feel that's where we should be in ourselves, but knowing in the Spirit that that's where we should go. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunities we have to to do that. Father, I pray for each one of these family members sitting here, Lord, that you will continue to grow in their lives, to become greater disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity we have. We give all of this to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information
1: about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.